0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of it will be a, a lightning edition of the uh, Dragon's Cast podcast. I think there's a lot to discuss after the worst three and one weekend. By the way, going into this weekend, if we had taken two of two, two and two, I think between the programs, we would have been okay. But now we're pissed about three and one. So this will be fun. This is going to be a good show. Um, we got a lot to talk about. With me tonight, I have Anthony. How are you? Mixed, mixed emotions. <laughs> It's going to be a show. All right. Uh, William, welcome back.
1: Glad to be back.
0: All right. Leon, what's going on?
2: Riding that emotional roller coaster.
0: A lot to cover. So we'll go fast off the top. We have a few follow-ups we wanted to talk about. Uh, starting with Le- the Lamont, what's GoFundMe. Um, I'm looking at it right now, Sunday night. This is February 5th, and we're at uh, at a $20,000 goal. He raised t- $23,000. So a uh, huge uh, outpoint from the Draxel community. Saw the Drexel basketball program. Zach Spiker's name in there, obviously. Damian Lee, step up. Um, you know, it was it was really it was a very cool um, Brian Volker. I mean, just uh, all over the athletics department, men, women, um, alumni, current, everybody. Um, no matter how much, to how little, stepped in, and, and it was great to see um, his family get taken care of in that way. Um, so, really proud of, of our community on that one. Turning to things, I'm less much less proud of uh, Bill. We had Marshall Fleming on the podcast last time. I pivoted that one better this time around. Um you have, uh, you have anything you want to say back to Marshall?
1: I mean, at first I didn't know why he was so angry. I mean, I'm, I'm listening to this thing and I'm like, what, <laughs> what did I say? Uh, but um, realizing the error of my ways, I guess I should never be picking uh, Delaware to win in any circumstance, shape, or form. So I will go ahead and agree with Marshall, especially since he took the time to call in from London. Uh, waking himself up uh, in order to do so is pretty impressive. So um, I will try to remember never to pick Delaware in the future. And we'll <laughs> we'll see how that goes. No matter how no matter how stupid that may seem, um, but there we go.
0: Dude, they're like they're they're four and eight in the conference this year. They're not even good. They just lost to like teams that we lose to. Like I mean, come on now. You can't be picking them against us now. Terrible, terrible by you.
1: Shame. I'll take the shame.
0: Leon's loving the background noise right now. He's, he's editing in his head already. Uh, my wife texted me five minutes before this podcast being like, if you can find the cat, she I don't know where the hell she is. So glad everybody in North America just found the cat. Um, She's
1: sitting next to the microphone.
2: She really is. It's brutal. She's been hiding, waiting all day, saving up her energy for the podcast.
1: Saving up those meows, just <laughs> sitting in silence until this podcast started up.
2: Explodes. If we could get the Drexel Dragons to come out of the gate
0: like this every night. All right, learn something from the cat, everybody. Um, All right, I'll take that one. Um, All right, we have um, have our CIA preview episode um, that was posted, I believe, in uh, late January. Uh, But it was the pre Uish episode, which I liked. Um, What did you guys think? What did you you guys hear? I I thought it held up fairly well, actually. Uh, Leon, when you you were uh, running through it, what did you think?
2: This one uh, was on me. It, it was recorded early January. You, probably, you guys got record, recorded it and I never got around to editing it, but I was glad to see that. It kind of stood the test of time. You you guys were more or less on point for most of the rankings. I think uh you picked Drexel maybe 6th. which seemed to be a we seemed to be doing a little bit better than that, but who knows where we'll end up with the week we had. Also, I guess going through the rankings, it, it reminded me like how kind of odd this year is with the number of teams we have in the CAA at 13. And uh, I know some of that is temporary, but the eventual number probably being 14 with Campbell uh, for next year, maybe. But who knows? I wouldn't be surprised with this league if we got some exits in the off season and became a smaller conference again.
0: You certainly never know. I think if anything was going to happen this offseason, we'd probably know by now. So I think Campbell Inn is probably happening. I don't think I expect anybody to go out um, this late in the process. Um, but you're right. It's the world we live in right now. I don't, until they start playing the games next year, I'm not trusting it. Yeah, I think the one that I probably was too high on was actually Wilmington. I, I like them a little bit more coming in. Now I've seen them in league play. I think that they're a clear fourth of those top four. Um, I think I had them like around two. And um, I don't know. Northeast is flaming out, but also probably going to finish middle of the pack just because of how bad the bottom is. So um, my guess is we got that one closer to right. I was happy with, uh, I liked the coming into the conference calendar. I th- think more than most. Was, was, That's was probably the pick I was happiest about. Where
1: do, where do um, we have Delaware?
0: Didn't really want it to be at our expense. Yeah, Delaware we had high. So Delaware we had fifth. Um, I'm perfectly fine with them being too high because that means that they're, yeah.
1: I would like to state emphatically that I am happy they are lower than we anticipated. Just putting that out there marshall no need to call in. no need
2: that being said dan you did pick and you guys both agreed that they were going to finish better than drexel so you guys didn't feel the need to correct dan and i would say never should delaware be picked before drexel and dan said five and you guys just agreed
1: Leon, Leon, shut your mouth leon this <laughs> is i don't hear from marshall again no it's uh I mean, they, they they should be better. I don't know why they don't have a ton of players, but they do have two stars basically. I mean, they they should be a little bit better than they are. But something positive to say about them, and they suck. So there you go.
0: It gives me warm and fuzzies all over. Um, anything else, Anthony? I don't know if you had a chance to listen to that. Um, you took away from that one. Actually, well, you 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 were in it. What am I saying?
3: Yeah. No. I mean, yeah. uh, I, I think we were by and large not not too far off. Um, you know, I'm gonna just. Push back only on Leon a little bit. Dan said, "Oh, what do you guys think overall of the of the, of the ranking list? I mean, you know, uh, oh yes, uh, Delaware was five point six in Dan's mathematical uh, chart. There, I think they are more of a six point seven eight range. Overall, the list was fine.
0: <laughs> I like the idea that I am putting some decimals together. We've got some intense Excel spreadsheets going on. There is sixteen macros being run." Um. All right, so that takes us to last week's episode, and this is where I get to call into WIP, and I'll just shut up and listen. But uh, what did you guys think uh, on that show?
3: I thought it was a good show. Um, it was nice to hear some different perspectives. I think it worked out well with it just being you from Drexel Dan, frankly. Um, you know, and going around the league with different fans of the different teams. I, I thought it was good. I particularly liked. Uh, some of the um, harsh words about things like flow, <laughs> things like uh, just different things that the conference is doing. But uh, yeah, it was a nice change of pace. I liked it. It
2: was it was nice uh, to see the consensus, you know, more or less across the league on what the gripes are and, and with flow sports. And also we got to have Tommy back on more often. I think the last time he was on, uh, I think Marshall had him on back in the 2018 2019 season, and uh, it was also right before a Charleston game where they were undoubtedly better than us that year, and we ended up being beating them by one. So yeah, if if you're thinking about doing a pre CAA tournament, uh, Dan, and making getting that gang back together, please make sure make sure to have Tommy back for sure.
1: I haven't listened yet. <laughs> I'm so used to not listening. Uh-oh. I'm so used to not listening to the podcast because I don't like the sound of my own voice that I forgot I wasn't on. So I will tune in. I am interested to hear that conversation. So I'll try to give my feedback on the next one.
0: Does anybody uh, uh, like the sound of their own voice here? Because we had a conversation offline here beforehand where I was like, I want to talk less and, and nobody would let me. So, um, you know, I'm just saying, and if anybody wants to hear less of me, I join you. I join you in that. I do think... Um, I got the conference. The one thing I, I said incorrectly: we don't need repercussions on teams that don't hurt certain levels in this conference. We need incentives for teams to hit higher marks. That's always the way it's going to work. Um, and I've actually discussed this at some point with the league office, and, and I'm sure many have. And you know, they basically say we don't we're not funded. You know, we don't have the extra money. Nobody's winning the NCAA tournament games. Presidents are funding us at the minimum. As long as the schools fund us at the minimum, we don't have anything to incentivize with. I think there's other ways you can get creative there. I think it's a bit of a cop-out, but I agree that you're not going to be able to penalize. You need to be, be able to incentivize, and you need to work with university presidents to create incentive, um, because you do need to have standards at the end of the line. That, that still ranks true no matter which way you, you want to skin it. That's That was the big thing there, and I'm glad um, guys like Brian, actually all three, Brian, Tommy, Jerry, all did a great job in kind of laying that out. So uh, yeah, I was, I was happy with that discussion.
1: I do like that you can uh, assemble like a CA crew of experts and just get some opinions from across the board. I think it's nice uh, that people are willing to do that too. Um, Just to take the time. It's like a small community, I guess, even, even just outside of our smart small community, each one of these schools has their own passionate fan base who, you know, I think just enjoys talking about their team and CA basketball in general.
0: You got to find them. I'm not sure there's anybody, Elon. If somebody, if you knock on the door at Elon, I don't know that there's just anybody behind it. But um, generally speaking, yes, Bill, I agree with you. And um, we've always said that the best thing about being part of the small small school basketball, small-town basketball like this is kind of the access, right? Like, I mean, how many fans have access to uh, AD or coaching staff or whatever else? But, you know, everybody there kind of talks to everybody there. And, and um, guys like Brian Mull, who covered this game, you know, I mean, Jerry, he can get in touch with anybody he wants to. If he has any questions and and it's really cool to have that kind of access. I think we get to see things, even if we got to talk about it off the record that, that a lot of other places don't get to. And if you want to be involved, this is again, the open invitation, you know, this is more than a podcast. This is, this is a fairly open arena. Um, Nobody's really running you off if you want to talk to folks. So get out there and have those conversations. It's good. I think it's healthy. And um, so, yeah, I, I preface this at the top of the show. But Drexel goes two and two between the two programs this week. And if you were to walk into this weekend, we didn't get an episode last week with with us with this group. If you were to walk into this weekend and say, hey, the ladies are going to probably face their toughest road trip of the season. And I would argue Stony Brook is the number two team in the CA. They're going to have short rest going to Stony Brook on the road. Um, you know, that's their setup for the weekend. And then the men have a team that was ranked last week coming to the deck before a short rest road game. You know, you would take two and two. I think, I think, really looking at that, you would say, all right, I'm not going to be thrilled with two and two, but I'd take it. Three and one would be good. Three and one would be a good weekend, like a really good weekend. And, you know, four and oh is probably not going to happen. So here we are, 10 seconds at Monmouth away from being four and oh. How do you feel, Anthony?
3: I don't really know how to feel, honestly. I, I, I was elated after Thursday. I mean, what a win, great atmosphere. Very exciting finish. Um, And then Saturday happens and it's just, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't even know who I'm upset at. I'm just, (laughs) I'm just, uh, and I'm sure we'll get into it.
0: All right, let's, let's make it easier on you. We'll take two steps back. Let's start talking about that women's program. So 2-0 weekend from the ladies and a really impressive 2-0 weekend and a big one for them. Um, You want to run us through the weekend there for them?
3: Sure, sure. Um, So... Friday night, the women went up to Boston uh, in front of a sellout crowd. No, I'm just kidding. There was 186 people there. Um, but they beat Northeastern by 11. Um, good win. Uh, they It was kind of a game of runs in some ways. Uh, we would go up by double digits, 12-14. Uh, but then Northeastern never truly went away. They would always kind of chip away and, and would get it back down to, you know, as few as six, you know a couple times throughout the second half, but we did enough to pull it out. We won by double digits. Kishana, 29 points, almost 50% from the field. Um, Turned it over six times, but you know, we, uh, we held on. I will say that it seems as though the women are getting a lot more press throughout the game by and large. Um, Just kind of, they're meeting them beyond half court a lot of the times and not just towards the end of games. Uh, I don't know if that's teams thinking that, you know, if they just play them straight up, they're going to go behind and and it's going to be too little too late. So they're trying it a little bit early, but, uh, it seemed like both Northeastern and Stony Brook were implementing uh, a little bit more full court pressure, um, at various points throughout the game. Uh, but, uh, they did a good job uh, against Northeastern, uh, you know, uh, on the road, uh, it was freezing here in Philly. I can only imagine <laughs> up in Boston. It was probably even colder uh, over there, but uh, they took care of business. Um, good win. Um, yeah, uh, today on Long Island, uh, Stony Brook, uh, for first place, we were half a game ahead of them coming in. Um, we're still in a tie for first. North Carolina, North Carolina A&T also won their game today, but uh, Eakin out a one-point win. I, I, you, there's no more superlatives to describe Yoshana Washington. She scored 40 points in 33 minutes on on almost 50% shooting. She is just, and the types of shots she makes, they're, they're, they're difficult. They're off balance. A lot of the times they're, they're fading away. Her ability to just get space for herself is ridiculous. Um, if I'm Stony Brook, I probably would have double teamed her a little bit more than they did if I'm honest, but I'll take it. Um, not a ton of help offensively from the rest of the squad, unfortunately, but, um, I mean and and only two turnovers for Kashana as well one of which came on a charge and and when we talk about the the type of usage that she has where she's just touching the ball a ridiculous amount of time I mean it, it it's it's really remarkable um I, I have to point out that earlier this week um both Kashana and Mara Hendrickson were uh announced as being members of the mid watch lists for the shooting guard and point guard of the year awards respectively, um, which is incredible. Um, I think there were, I'm not sure, maybe six teams in six mid major teams. I think if I remember right, six mid major teams had one representative. And I think like 17 teams total had two representatives across the entire country. Uh, and we were clearly the only mid major with two representatives. So, um, some remarkable stuff going on. Kashana third in the nation in scoring. Mara third in the nation in assists. Um, she had another nine assists today, uh, did Mara. Um, but very competitive game. I, I believe um, 13 ties and 10 lead changes throughout this game. It was a great basketball game. Uh, I think the refs left a little, bit to, desi- uh, little to be desired. Um, gave Stony Brook like three shots at the end of the game with us up one. Uh, but we were able to hold on and, and, and pull off a one-point win. Um, sweeping the season series, which is huge. Um, so we have the tiebreaker over them. Uh, as I said, tied with A&T atop the conference. Uh, and to get two wins on the road uh, against these two teams is was great. It was great. Yeah,
0: I mean, that, that sweep is big. We look at the overall standings. I've got this as a three-way race with apologies to A&T. and t has had, I think, the soft... They've got kind of the the Drexel men version of the schedule for women. And they got, they got really a soft, soft slate for the CA as far as who they play. Um, But their final three games are four, three of the final four, I think are at Towson, Delaware and Drexel. So they're going to, I think that's going to be a, a wake up call of sorts as you go in. But I think Stony Brook and Towson feel like um, the, the biggest rivals that we have. Awesome. Um, And uh, I, I, the sweep over Study Brook is just huge, just not just for seating and standings, but for um, you know, just knowing you've beat them twice. You know, it's it's that whole it's tough to beat the team three times thing is a myth. I think Ken Palm proved that a few years ago. He did the math on it. No, you beat them twice. It's actually it's a good sign you're going to beat them a third time. So I'd much rather play them than like a thousand um, that we split with. Um, but it's nice to have all four of those games kind of done. So now it's stretch run. You've got some games still to go, but um, yeah keep Kishana healthy I mean that's a crazy performance the 40 dropping 40 today um, we were talking about this before the, the the pod but two turnovers one of them was a charge like it was on, I think I was on 29 shots like it was an efficient
2: 40 which is crazy um, really just yeah she's good she's good at basketball folks so so what do you guys think of the odds with uh, maybe the women going into the last game against NCA and T without uh, any more losses and it being like a 1-2 battle maybe
0: I think it's favorable. I mean, I think at Delaware is probably the only game that you're super concerned about between now and then.
3: Got to look at that William and Mary game, too. Um, we did lose to them down there. I mean, we are at home, uh, but um, they are proving to be a little bit better than maybe they seemed. They're 7 and 4. Uh, There's still four teams ahead of them, but they're only two back. So um, they have not been bad.
1: I mean, I, I said this on, on, on Twitter, but if whoever's not watching this at this point, you need to, I mean, Kishana is just so impressive in what she's doing. Um, I mean, I've, I've never seen anyone on Drexel do what, what she's doing even close. Like the, the, like you said earlier, Anthony, the shots that she's taking and hitting the, the manner in which she's, you know, moving all over the court in order to stay open and avoid double teams. Um, it's just really impressive. Um, and it's, you know, the best individual season we've seen at Drexel. Um, I don't think it's, debatable at this point. So, um, yeah, watch, uh, it's, it's something special.
3: And you hear more and more in the broadcasts people talking about the next level, um, as in the, the dub. Uh, I mean, it, it's earlier this season, it was, it was floated. And I said, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, you know, she's doing great, but you know, size is a problem at that level. And, you know Gabby was drafted in the third round and and really didn't sniff a roster and and this and that, but the more that people keep talking about it and the more that she gets accolades and uh the more she's you know tops in the nation at the top of the the scoring list uh, i mean who knows um i mean it would be, it would be pretty damn cool if she got uh if she got drafted whether she makes a roster or not it's a different story uh but um it's becoming more and more possible when she is scoring 69 points across two games in a week. All right. So
0: the schedule for the ladies does appear fairly favorable as we move on. Anthony, are they back to being, maybe they always were, but are they more firmly the front runner now for you?
3: I think they have to be. Um, You know, the next three games, I I would think, are definitely winnable. Uh, Four, really? Actually, no. I mean, really, until the last couple games of the season, I I, I don't – see them losing even at Delaware. Um, you know, William, Amer- uh, William and Mary, William Mary's got to make that up if we're losing down there. But um, I still see them as number one. Uh, some of them might be a little hairier than you might like, but you know, I still think we're the top dog.
0: I was kind of pleased. I got to see most of both of these games this week. And I was kind of pleased. Kylie Lavell feels like she's starting to figure it out again. Like it's, it's, She's so restraint in the game. She feels like she's fitting in with the offense more, even if the numbers aren't showing it. It feels like she's she's starting to settle in. Um, and, again, I think she's an important part of this team. If we're looking for somebody who can be that true second fiddle, I mean, Moore has done a great job, obviously. Um, I mean, you, you mentioned the, the the watch list. That's a crazy, crazy thing. Um, and, and, and Grace oneill has been a solid role player. But if you're looking for the person who really you can, you know, We'll talk about this with the men. Make her own shot. I feel like it's going to be Kylie, and, and um, it's important to get her back really feeling like she's, you know, in the flow of the offense versus I think she's forcing it a lot when she's coming back from injury. So we'll see if that, you know, they can keep working that back in. I think it's, it's got to be high on Amy's list of things to do. Um, so that was really pleasant, guys. We got to talk about two wins, nice, surprising, you know, toughest swing of the road swing of the year. Um now we get to um, gently talk about um, the best men's win, when actually, you know, by rankings in quite some time. I mean, I, they beat Houston a few years ago. That was a good one. Um, but this on a home court and needing home court, I would say. But um, taking college Charleston down, and they were 18th the week before the, in the country the week before the game, ranked in the AP poll, and like 27th, if you're going by receiving votes in that game. Um, Phil, what did you see? Um, what did you see when you got to catch that one that stood out to you?
1: I mean, really, I, I wish I was there. Uh, I mean, what really stood out to me was the DAC in general was bumping. It seemed like, um, sadly, I couldn't make it down, but it it looked amazing. Like it looked like you know some of the older days where we had huge crowds and the, the DAC factoring into the game. Um, but I mean, I mean, besides that, I mean, you've you know Amari clearly. Um, he's been really strong on the boards. Um, and this game was no exception, 19 points. And then of course, you know, Justin Moore with the game winner, um, along with a nice performance in that game too. So I don't know, it was just a really great win. Um, I was surprised that we won that game. Um, and winning that game, I mean, raises your expectations, right? I mean, I think that's that's one of the reasons why you know we're uh, you know you're not happy with some of the losses that we're taking as you see that, but um, yeah, I mean I I really the atmosphere was really the biggest thing to me that we got to win with that atmosphere and how important that is to the program in general
0: um, I think is huge. Yeah, and you have back to back games, you know, the Delaware game before that homecoming, you know, where you saw close games, games where the crowd mattered, and the crowd got us into it. We we kind of talked about this uh, maybe offline, but the, the Delaware game. You know the students weren't really into it until like the last, till almost the overtime period, like the very end of the game. It felt like it came alive a little sooner in this Charleston game. Like people, people were in it, and I think Charleston brought a few more fans actually than Delaware did, um, which speaks to a lot of different things. Um, but that helped get people up for it. Uh, it was. I, I, um, I got there at halftime, but I, I saw the important half, so um, that was fun. That was just a, it was, it was fun to be back there. It felt right again. I got a little fired up, so. It was, it was a good time. Um, Anthony, you see anything on the floor that really popped out at you?
3: Yeah, I thought that um, it was a great comeback for us. I, one thing that kind of stuck out to me just from looking at it, people have talked about how Charleston you know, may not have an all-league player on the team. That seemed apparent to me, and I, and I don't want to be a downer on the quality of the win. It was a great win uh, against a team that – you know, if you go by the points, with the AP is currently ranked 27th. Um, but just watching them play, I don't, and I don't know if it was what we were doing. We have the best defense in the CAA, so so that might have had something to do with it. Because uh, we definitely seemed to slow them down and not play the way they wanted to play. But there was a one a brief period in the second half where it seemed like both teams were kind of running back and forth. Although it seemed like we are actually playing better on offense when we did that too. Um, even though I know that's how Charleston wants to play. But I was a little unimpressed by them. I I just, you know, I I look at their overall resume and the teams they've beaten, and I am like, what I'm seeing on this basketball court doesn't match what I think of the results of their earlier games. It was a little surprising to me in that regard. But to take nothing away, I mean, obviously, it was a a great win. Um, You know, the atmosphere, like like Bill said, was great. Um, I, I... Thought that, you know, they came to play and, and, and the crowd definitely helped. Uh, but we definitely slowed them down. Uh, we, we made them play our game, which which I think definitely helped uh, pull it out. But, you know, uh, I'm going to quote Dickens here. You know, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. <laughs> Less than 48 hours later. So, well, I'll press pause and we'll get there. Yeah,
0: we will get there. We'll get there. I'm going to let Leon have a shot. <laughs> I'll take a couple.
2: No, it was, it was incredible to see. I guess a Drexel team where uh, everybody that you expect more or less plays like you expect them to. Now I wish we had some role players like Lamar Oden that still maybe didn't have the best of games, but Coltrane had a good game. Justin, I feel like this is a little bit of Justin Moore's coming out party. Like it, it like he was, he felt clutch. He, I, I, I thought this was the game that uh, was gonna kind of. Uh, Ensure that this is the new Justin Moore. He just leveled up, but but uh, uh, maybe maybe not so as the future future would show us. But I was uh, it was nice to see. It's uh, something that we constantly complain about on this podcast, at least this season so far, where we don't know who to go to. Who's the step up guy when something you need that last shot? And it seemed like Justin Moore was the guy at least for us in that towards the end of that game, and we just hung around. And it wasn't like. We just kept hanging around that game, even though we went down by eight at the half. And we just, uh, you know, with five, ten minutes left to go, we still were down eight. And we just kept hanging around until the last few minutes, where we kind of hit some critical shots and were able to pull get out of there and you know leave them with a loss. It was it was just fun to see that again, and then coming to the heels of the Delaware game, which was another nail biter. It was it was just great, great ba- basketball at the DAC.
3: The other thing I got to mention, because it was something we were talking about the entire game, we ended up two of 15, but I think we started 0 for 13 from three in that game, which the the fact that we were in that game shooting 0% from three is ridiculous. I mean, if we were slightly below average from three in that game, we would have beaten them by close to 10, Um, you know. I've bemoaned the insistence on taking threes when they're not falling several times. I'm not going to do that again. But, um, yeah, I mean, the fact that they were able to hang in this game despite not making their first three until – and they were big threes, to be fair. The the two that were made from Justin and Coltrane were were very big and crucial moments of the game. Um, But the fact that we were still in the game despite not making a three for the first, like, 35 minutes of the game is, um, you know, a testament to – well, I don't know if it's a team. I don't know if it's a coaching staff. I don't know if it's a crowd. I don't know if it's a combination of all three, but um, it was wild.
0: Yeah. So efficiency is not sexy, right? But like, you know, that, that's what Charleston is. Like, that's how they beat you, it's just um, they're really effective shooters. Um, and the key, they're 16th in the country in offensive rebounding. You look at the game before us, they, they actually in that lost to Hofstra. They had 42% of those shots that they missed, they got the rebound on. So basically half their misses, you know, don't aren't turnovers. They, they, they get the ball back again. Uh, the game after us at Delaware, same thing, 42% offensive rebound uh, rate. Uh, it was 20, I want to say 8%, I don't want to get that wrong, 29% at Drexel, which is the lowest mark of the season for Charleston. Um, that's Which is still a really, it's not a bad number, but it, for them it's a bad number. Um, and I know Zach Spiker pointed that out in one of the video clips that they put on Instagram after the game. And I, I thought it was worth pointing out here. Like that's how they get you. It's just, they take smart shots. It's all at the rim. It's all threes. They can crash the glass off of all of them. And, you know, if you don't, if you don't make a shot and you keep getting the ball back, eventually it's going to go in, you know, it's, 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 it's not pretty. It just works for them And because they're constantly shifting guys in and out, um, you Know uh, it makes it hard to match up with, you don't know who you've got, you know. It's just kind of it's it's all um, it's all the system there a little bit. Um, but yeah, there's no there's nobody there that's highlight real. I think Dalton Bolin had a nice game. I, I still think the the timeout with six seconds on the shot clock and then the three that Bolin drilled out of that was one of the most impressive plays I'm going to see all year because who would coach takes the timeout with six seconds on the shot clock and then and then draws up the play that is perfect? I mean, it was. Hat tip. Like, they're doing some things really, really well. Um, and it's it's tough to isolate it. Um, you know, it's a team full of, uh, Luke House type players, but probably more athleticism. You know, like, that's it. Luke House, by the way, is up to 19th now in the country in offensive efficiency. I mean, he's, um, he had a good weekend, is the best way to put it. Um, we'll talk about the play calls at the Monmouth game, I think, in a second. But, um, he was a big part of why we were still in this game, I think. It was, um, he got to the rack a few times early. I thought Coltrane. I think somebody said, talk about guys filling their roles that expect to fill their roles. He had not just the big three. That was a huge three. which was to finally break the ice there. But he also had like a mid-range floater. That was right, right when we needed it. And that was a shot, you know, he's been trying to get all game. I don't think he's been comfortable in that role. Um, but he needed it. We needed it every point in this game. He needed it. He had a, I thought this was his best game of the year from for, for my mind. Um, he didn't do anything great. It was 14 points. But, It was efficient. It was good. He he filled this role. And then um, Tommy mentioned that they struggle with big men. I mean, Amari just kind of had whatever he wanted to do all night. That was the big problem for them. Amari literally didn't matter. He could take whatever he wanted. He he had six or seven from the field and got to the line nine times. So pretty damn efficient himself um, with 12 boards as well. So, I mean, turnovers tried to get in our way a little bit. But the free throw shooting at seventy seven percent was just enough. Um, again, just um, just good all the way around. Really happy with what I saw. The only thing that the other thing I'll note from that last week's podcast with Tommy was him talking about, and, and Brian Wall I think said it. Uh, they have so many different ways to beat you. And I think about that from as a Drexel fan, right? Because they played ten players, but they play a lot. of Those guys play different styles. You know, as far as right handed, left handed, do they want to get to the rim? You know, pull up, jump, whatever. In the case of, they don't do a lot of mid range jump shots, but. Um, there's just stylistically different speeds, athleticism, who the big man is, and shift things around. So it's kind of you're constantly chasing. And I look at what we've been talking about all year about the Drexel Dragons, right? How many guys do we have to do the exact same thing? And that's been the problem, right? So I think, I hope, we talked to Coach Jennings at the beginning of the year, you know, the need to get more athletic, and they understood it. They adjusted their recruiting. And I hope that they look at this game and kind of make the adjustment there. It's okay to have a system, but... If you if you lean too hard into any one area of it I think you just have these redundancies that aren't fruitful um, at times and I think we fall into that trap
2: what was what was the deal with I saw that uh, and just kind of going on a tangent here but the tweet uh, I guess leading up to the game I guess the sixers uh, they were uh, I guess the Charleston basketball team was I guess practicing at the sixers. Kind of like, and they had a tweet out saying "special, special thank you to the Sixers for a warm welcome to the city of Brotherly Love." Like, uh, once I saw that tweet, I, I I was a little pissed off at that tweet. I I don't like that. I don't like the Sixers welcoming our opponent. I hope uh, at least I hope our coaches used that to their benefit and showed them uh, gave gave him Marty that extra, you know, burn that he needed to get out there and play the have the game that he did. So, like. But this, come on, Sixers. What are you doing? Why are you welcoming our opponents coming into Philly?
0: I'm with you, but I, I do want to talk about the extra edge, and we'll, we'll talk about it after the next game. But you know, I think the fact that we've been rebounding so well these last two games at home, and that we've been doing so well inside the arc, you know, kind of in the paint, we were 63 percent from two in this game. Like they, I thought, it was tougher finishes. I thought I thought the guys were going harder, and I thought the home crowd had a lot to do with that, um, in both this and the Delaware game. So.
1: From Omari's performance in general, like starting that game off with those passes on those backdoor cuts, like let's get some more of that. And that was an awesome way to open the game up. And I usually complain about him not being underneath, and I'm about to complain about him not being underneath during that game a little bit more too. But that was a really nice uh, way to to display his passing. He made some great passes, opened the game up, we got some easy buckets. I don't know why we don't see a little bit more of that. It um, doesn't seem like we – look for that that often, at least with those cuts. But uh, maybe it's defended so that we just don't get them. Um, Amari did have 19 in that game, but I think he could have even had more. I mean, honestly, they were defending him with like a 6'4 guy for half the game, and he's not near the basket enough. Um, and I know there's reasons why he's away, mainly for his passing, but when you have a 6'4 guy on you and you're a 6'10 Amari Williams, just own that guy in the paint over and over again until they stop you. Or they have to sub that guy out and put on a six ten guy on you. Like I was driving me insane, and the fact that we couldn't even when he did, he was underneath the hoop a couple times, and he was being fronted by a 6'4 guy, and somehow we can't get a pass over the top. He's so much taller than these guys. Just throw it up there. Let him let him go get it, and we have an easy layup out of it. So that was we won the game. You know, I have no I can't complain too much, but that's just one area of the game that I still want to see Amari just dominating inside a little bit more um he had those 19 a lot of the, a lot of the reason why he had the 19 is because he went seven for a nine from the free throw line which is unusual for him in general and we needed all seven of those but
0: so Dalton Bolin um I thought was all CA level uh rolling trolling the refs this game I, I I thought he was a soccer player out there I mean he was trying to get a bunch of you know the head was jerking around you know he was ending up on the floor when nobody's around him you know, he was he was doing everything that you could to try to get whistles. But there was one play with Amari, where where he flapped hard, and I would say eighty percent of officials call that charge. And we we actually this is a veteran crew Jeff Clark or Walton. Um, those guys have been around. Those guys have done deep into NCAA Final Four stuff in the past. Like they didn't buy it. They didn't give it to him. And that was a big play. It was that was big that they weren't rewarding them as much as maybe they're used to. I think too. So. Because um, I don't think Drexel really does that. If anything, and Anthony knows this, I scream at Coltrane because he gets guys up in the air left and right from three and just refuses to get fouled. Like, you have a guy in the air, you're behind the three-point line. Lean into it, like, watch Reggie Miller video, man. <laughs> like, kick the legs out, let's go. Like, guess your free throws, man. But just refuses to do it. He wants to blow by him, and then he gets caught in that mid range. He doesn't know what to do. So, um, wish he'd take the fouls, but we don't do that game Charleston does and Charleston wasn't rewarded for it on this day, which was, I thought the, the officials, I think if this game was played on a Saturday and we have CA Saturday officials might have a different outcome. It was that important. So, um, now, now let's really get unpleasant. Um, we, we slide to, um, Saturday's game against Mammoth, a game in which Drexel came out doing to Mammoth what they expected to do. Um, I do want to say at halftime, I think the dragons had shot something crazy and we're getting like 50% of their offensive rebounds. And I was like, it's a 12 point game. I'm kind of worried. They should be winning by more than this. Um, and 12 points at the half is a lot, right? That's on pace to win by 24. So I'm not saying it wasn't a significant lead. I just, it looked at that and I said, "Mm, you know, it's mammoth. You're, you're falling out and they're, they're lingering. So what's happening here? And, um, and then the second half happened. And uh, one of the things I do want to say right off the bat on the second half, I thought Zach Spiker had a really good game against Charleston with his use of timeouts, which is not something I usually say. But I thought he was more aggressive. He was more assertive. He took them a little faster um, than maybe we're used to seeing, and I thought that was really helpful. Second half of this game, we have a 12-point lead. It vanishes in five minutes, and he doesn't call a timeout till it's already tied. Um, so that's strike one for, for anybody who's looking for – was excellent like Rambo, and it seems like there's a lot of them out there um that for me way too late way too late on the hook there i don't know if he's hoping for the media or whatever else but you know they came out and just got drilled in the second half um was anybody there i guess i should ask that question first any you guys make it to the game
1: i really thought about it but luckily i couldn't <laughs> i, I... At all three of these last games, these away games, I could have won. I was in North Carolina for both of those other games, about an hour away from each of them. Um, and I was about an hour away from Monmouth. And for circumstances that uh, – just circumstantial, I just couldn't make it. And at the time, I wasn't too happy. And then after I saw the result, I was very happy I didn't attend any of these games. So I just, just wanted
0: to put it out there. So, Bill, just to be clear, um, you could have made three of these games, and we lost all three when you didn't attend Marshall. <laughs> If you're listening, I think Bill's really let the team down here, and he could have been the difference maker, firing them up. And I'll, um, I'll say, I'll know. say
1: this Dan, I showed up to that Seton Hall game, so <laughs> my presence, <laughs> my presence doesn't mean anything because that was ugly.
0: Did you show up at only the second half of the Seton Hall game?
1: <laughs> I was there for the whole painful thing.
0: All right. Um, so where do we want to start, Leon? What did you What did you see in this guy? Uh,
2: you know, this is something that I've noticed with a lot of, um, I guess, outings that we have had under Spiker, where it's really sometimes we just play two different games in two halves of basketball. We don't. We have a half where we score close to forty, if not more than forty points, and then one of the halves will be we can't. We can barely crack thirty, like score twenty five points, and I don't know why. When it looks like halfway that halfway to that outcome, you see that's where we're going. There's no new game plan that gets drawn up. So I guess uh, I, I'm putting a little bit of this loss uh, and on Coach Spiker because I, I, to your point with the timeout call that was delayed, there's opportunity. This is a not a good team you're playing on the road, and the fact that we couldn't pull this one out of there. Uh, understandably, there were some players that didn't show up. And we can get, that, get into that a little bit as well. But uh, I feel like we do have the parts, though. We do have the pieces. where I mean, We should be being coached to wins over teams that are worse than us if we can just kind of patch something together, which clearly we couldn't in this game. Or the, or the other game against Elon. So that's the kind of stuff that I, I don't understand why it keeps happening to us. Because we might not have the most talented team, but we have enough talent on the team where we should be able to beat Monmouth
1: i mean I, I I agree with that like, uh, like I think we lack I mean outside of Amari, some star power for sure. um we don't have i mean out, I mean Coltrane had been in the beginning of the season a little bit, but we don't even have a second guy who's really delivering game after game. It's kind of like, okay, well Lamar has a good game now House has a good game, and, and you know it's just it's it's up and down, Bergen's has a good game, you know, but then the next game he's not playing that well. so it's just it's up and down from these guys. You can't get a consistent. You know, number two, really. Um, and I think over the course of the last few games outside of this Monmouth game, that it seemed like Justin Moore was kind of developing into that guy, I thought. But you know, he hit, he had a rough one on this one. I don't know. It feels almost to me like something was going on with him because he just didn't shoot the ball. I mean, there wasn't like I feel like he was defended any differently than he's been in any other game. He didn't even look for that mid range, he just kind of had a couple shots inside and took one three, like, or a couple layup attempts in that three. He just didn't look for that mid-range at all, which he usually looks for a whole bunch. Uh, yeah. So I don't, I don't know what was going on there, but you know his donut and and, and five turnovers didn't, didn't help. But, I mean, to Dan's point earlier, I, I think the biggest problem is not being able to stop the bleeding. This is uh, maybe happening a little less this season. In prior seasons, this was a huge, huge problem where, I mean, we would go from up 10 to, like, down 15 in a, in a matter of, like, 10 minutes. I, I don't even know how this happens. Uh, the timeouts are late. We can't draw up a bucket, and I and I don't know exactly why that is. I mean, it feels like to me that you know if the system's working, if Spiker's system's working, the shots are f- open, shots are falling. You know, we're we're getting buckets within that system. The team is playing well. But then if <laughs> they start slowing down the system, the shots aren't falling. Spiker can't seem to just draw up a bucket when we need one. Like you need to just stop this play. You can't go like on these huge runs, and you just can't get you can't get stops. You can't get buckets and the other team is just scoring at will it's crazy and it happens it used to happen a ton i i can't remember as many games this year where this is happening but um it's a problem uh and and i'm not sure how you fix that but i think that part of it is coaching
2: at least under brew that only used to happen to us at the tournament i think spiker just has it happen to him on a regular road game (laughs) is the problem
1: I mean, some of our Bruisers games would be so ugly it would be ridiculous. But the other team would look ugly too most of the time. It would just be a, a mess on both sides. Just, it, he would drag people down with him. But, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's strange uh, just seeing these runs. Like being up 12 and then it's gone. What do you say, Dan, five minutes? I mean, that's, <laughs> that's crazy. It had to be what, a 12 nothing run or something in the second half or close to that. I mean, it, that can't happen. I mean, I feel like if we go into these games and you're just battling and you're losing, you know, you don't feel as bad about it. Like, you know, you came out, you played well, and you just got outplayed. But when you have a, you know, a 12-0 run, uh, it's just disheartening.
0: Ladies, gentlemen, have you ever looked over at your male partner and thought, wow, that ear hair didn't used to be there? Have his nostrils gotten a little crowded? Or... Have you started to see him question his own masculinity? I'm here today to offer you a product that can solve all of that. It's the Monster Trimmer 2021 TN. Some of you here in the studio seem to be asking if this is just a tiny attachment at the end of a chainsaw. Allow me to let you on the top secret proprietary information. Yes, it is a tiny attachment to a chainsaw and so much more. Not only can your man use this tool to trim his ears using the same horsepower as an F-250 Super Duty, but because of our new lithium ion technology, this is fully cordless, which allows us to strap on truck nuts. Yes, you heard right. The TN in the Monster Trimmer 2021 TN stands for truck nuts, which are strapped onto the back of the tool. That means that every time he goes in very carefully for a trim, he will get all of the masculinity and corrective overcompensation that truck nuts offers. Now, I know you all have one concern and yes, you're right. Because this product appears like a chainsaw, you cannot carry it onto an airplane. And because of the non-removable lithium-ion battery, you cannot check it. And that's why we provide gently used, gently sanitized rentals at all major airports and train stations. And if you buy now, you'll get your next two rentals free. So travel without fear of nose hair or loss of masculinity anywhere within the continental USA with the Monster Trimmer 2021 TM. What are you waiting for? Buy today. Yeah, so on the Zach Spiker thing, I'll go back, and I'll go back as far as um, this is the 17-18 season, right? So, you know, we beat Houston. That was the big win that year, right? Houston ended up 18 in the country that year. The next game we we got blown out by Mercer, who was a middle-of-pack team, just blown up. Um, Later that year, we beat College of Charleston in in OT at, at home. That was a big win for us. Next game, lost by 22 to William & Mary at home. Um, you know, it's it's not good. Even we beat Northeastern later that year by one. Northeastern was probably the best team in the conference. Um, and we snuck out a two-point win against James Madison the game after that at home. And James Madison was bad that year, right? Like, so you, you almost tied tie them up at home. Uh, you go to the following year, and best win, again, was at University of Charleston. What happens? You got onto to uh, Wilmington, who was terrible that year, and lost by 14. All right, so you flash forward to now, big wins this year. ODU, how'd that Penn game go, All right? You go to the Delaware game. Then we went to a and Anybody want to talk about that performance ever again in their lives? Shoot it into the sun. Then you get this big win against Charleston. And at least we came out of the gate strong against Monmouth. But that's 353 on Ken Palm after the win, Monmouth. Uh, I mean, it's a team you cannot lose to. and And now, you know... You keep seeing this thing. I, I agree with you, Leon. There is a little bit of a halftime. At halftime. I feel like if we go into halftime with a decent sized lead, we come out awful comfortable in the second half. Uh, but I feel like it's more game to game. You know, I feel like these guys uh, aren't used to winning to some extent. Um, but I, I also think that there's just, to me, one of the things I see with this staff is a is, is a group that is so like they need to be under control. You so everything's calm, nothing's wrong, you know, and, and they're just they're just not great motivators. Like, they're not – Pat Kelsey's maybe batshit crazy at times, but he gets his guys fired up. And I, I just don't know that these guys are the ones who are going to have you screaming, ready to go, excited, ready to come out for that game, right? And that's, that's where I think the Philip up was so important, right? Like, because those, those guys are ready to go at home right now in front of a sold-out crowd. Um, I can't back that up with stats or anything else. I just – every time there's been a letdown opportunity, it's pretty much been a letdown uh, game to game or half to half. It just feels like, and, and it that's the part um, that gets me more than home road probably does. I, I, get, I get those, those who want to argue the away, away cases, I get it. Um, you know, you're getting a mountain of evidence, so I'm not going to, am not going to argue with you, Anthony. Um, but uh, to me, it's, it's these were both big letdown spots. And they did it. That's to me why Elon was concerning. I think Elon weighs into that road game argument a little bit because Elon was a spot, you came off a lost t where you didn't play. And then he went to Elon and lost again. In kinda of that spot we should have done better. Now Elon played really well in that game. Or not really well, but they played well. Like I said, I think they would have beaten a lot of C A teams that day. But and they've rattled off, I think, three straight. Um yeah. At Stony Brook, at Northeastern to follow. So something has changed a little bit down there. Um,
3: and this is Mama's third straight win, too. It is Mama's third straight win. Um,
0: and it's on the road. I, I, I You know, it's at NCAT, they won in Delaware and Drexel. So kudos to those guys for just having enough, maybe. But I don't know. I, I want to see the team get a win and then come out just as strong the next day. And I don't know that we've ever really seen that under, under Spike or besides. Maybe you make an argument of the year, the COVID year, when they went to the tournament. You know, they kept winning at the end of the season. That's probably a team that's hot at the right time and do um, what they were doing as a veteran team. played really really well. So maybe that's what we need to get here.
1: Maybe the lost games, Dan, were the disappointments that we missed out on from <laughs> just being canceled.
0: Yeah, I was thinking about that. I was thinking of that game at Fairfield this year actually. Like, we need to go on that low road road and lose that game just to know who we were. Like, you know, just I think this team they don't they don't want to overreact. Staff does not want to overreact. They want to be cool. They want to be under control. Like they need to almost have something shoved in their face to make significant changes. And, and I was, you know, going up to Fairfield and losing, and I feel confident we would have lost. I think would have helped turn things a little bit sooner. Cause I'd, I'd rather learn that out of conference play than in conference.
3: I mean, uh, it, it's, it's beating a dead horse, but you know, this is a bad road team. Not good on the road. Um, And Dan, the reasons that you articulated might be why, because it's a lot easier to get up when you're at home. And uh, like you said, if the staff isn't the type that's going to make them want to run through a wall for you, you don't have a crowd behind you. So you got to, I guess, summon it within yourself. And and, and if, if they're not doing it, you know, you could Partially put that on the players, but it's up to the coaches to get them up too. Uh, this Monmouth game felt exactly like the North Carolina AT game. Um, in fact, to the point where at halftime, I was sitting watching this game thinking to myself, I really hope they don't come out like they did against AT. Um, and they did. And, you know, AT beat us by more only because Monmouth's such a bad team that. Even as bad as we played, they could only muster a two-point win, so we still had a chance at the end. Um, we haven't really gotten too deeply into that, but what on earth was happening at the end of that game? We have the ball. You're going to let them play? Or you're going to call a timeout. Which one are you going to do? Make a choice. Okay? It seems like we've gone past the point of no return, so you're going to let them play it out. Okay, you trust your players to win the game. That's fine. Timeout with three and a half seconds left. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? So
0: let's talk about that twice because he took two timeouts with three and a half seconds left in these games. One offensive and one defensive, right? And we hated both of them,
3: I think? Yes, that's another thing, the Charleston timeout. I I mean, that that one wasn't quite as bad, but still questionable in my opinion.
0: I didn't like the timeout at all. I didn't like the timeout one bit against Charleston. I I thought it let them set something up when I don't think the run of play was going to be great. I mean, three and a half seconds is enough to run the court. But listen, you took the timeout. They got a clean look for three. Well, that was a good look they had at the end of that game for three and a half seconds to yeah. the yeah. timeout. So, tell me how that. But all right, go to this game, t- time out with three and a half seconds left. I I, I watched this thing like fifteen times tonight, um, trying to understand what was going on here.
3: And, and I don't know what's worse than I, 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 I don't know. I don't know if if calling the timeout in that spot with only three and a half seconds is worse, or what the result was. Yeah. I mean, if you. <laughs> The first half ended with the exact same type of play. Actually, if you look at it, we have our six foot ten center, who never plays under the basket for whatever reason, shooting a fadeaway three pointer to try to win the game with three and a half seconds left.
0: <laughs> In a game where he shot forty percent from the line. This is fun for me because Bill and I are going to argue here, but it's it's not going to be about this. Um, the play so there's a play leading up to the timeout was to me a freshman point guard. Like being a freshman point guard, like it was just nobody was ready to nobody's moving, um, and the team wasn't kind of running their stuff. Um, I think I think Justin got caught off a little bit there um, in the in the Charleston game. It was a clear two man game. They're going to pick and roll with Amari, same as they did down the stretch against Delaware. You knew what was happening for whatever reason. They weren't running that here um, with the seconds ticking down. So, um, and then they kind of just got caught, and they were not going to get a shot. They might not have gotten a shot at all with three and a half seconds to go. I would like to see that timeout a couple like the coaching staff realize it a couple of seconds instead of just waving at him to go. You know, if you look at the sideline in the last clip, you see the staff, all the staff is waving at Justin. with like three or four seconds before the timeout. You gotta go, you gotta go, you gotta go, and he's he's just standing there. So like um that's that's a little bit, I think, on the point guard. But after the timeout, um, I think the first option, they were trying to run the Luke House play again. And the inbound, the guy guarding the inbound blocked the pass. He he overguarded the pass. They couldn't get the ball to Luke because they wanted him running around. The second option, it was the inbound to Amari to get the ball in. But I'm pretty sure it was supposed to be a backdoor cut bill to to Mate. And Mate watched the pass to Amari instead of cutting. So he was the inbounder. He inbounded. It went up. He watched Amari catch it, come down. And then he was like, oh, shit, I got to go. And he was so late cutting that his man easily picked him up. And at that point, this was already option two. Amari with three and a half seconds left, panics, fires it up. That's what I think I saw looking at that play. Um so they ran the exact play that you want to run that's why you would have Amari outside, right? Because it was wide open underneath. I mean everybody cleared out underneath it was wide open. If Amari if if Mate beats his man, it's a bucket. It's a layup. And nobody nobody would have seen Mate you know, nobody thought that number was one that would be called, right? It was House and then Mate were the, t- the top two options. But I think it was right. Like, I actually don't hate the, the play calls. It was execution. Um, I thought the House play coming out of the timeout position before that, uh, I thought he'd had a really good game, and um, he was taking a strong, and he had Amari crashing the boards on the other side on that one. I think we would have gotten the rebound if he doesn't put it over the backboard, but he just lost control of the ball. So, I actually, I don't hate the play calls for any of this. Um Execution, young team on the road, whatever it might be, but just—I mean, Mateza, a, a senior—you got to do better than that. Um, and and I'm hoping I'm getting that right, Ross. I'm just throwing throwing this guy under the bus, but I'm I'm pretty sure I've watched that a bunch of times.
3: I'm going to push back a little bit because I, I I I don't like that play with three and a half seconds left. More time left, fine. And I know three and a half seconds isn't um, like such a short amount of time. Like it's enough time to catch an inbounds. Take a second, you know, get a pass off, dribble a couple times, get a shot off. There's time there. But there's so much that just can go wrong, as we saw, um, that I I either want Amari under the basket or as the trigger man inbounding the ball on that play. Especially, I mean, if we're, I I don't know, I I just... I, I, I may, and maybe it's just me being sick of Amari being beyond the three-point line because I, it, it just drives me absolutely insane. Uh, the amount of times that he is alone with the basketball at the top of the key, it, it, it just it, it flabbergasted. Especially late in the shot clock. <laughs> right. They, they They leave him on an island. And, and, and nobody cuts – Nobody cuts. They, they were doing it uh, as I believe – I think it was you, Bill, that, that mentioned it. Early in that Charleston game, he was taking it and, and feeding, cutting players for, for easy buckets in the beginning of that Charleston game. And it was working. But we don't do that nearly enough for the number of times that he gets the ball basically on an island out at the top of the key to the point where what's happening? Nobody is in the – nobody is in the paint. So it's it's Amari at the top of the key. We have other four guys out. So it's a five out offense with the center who's turnover prone. And all he can do is just pass it back around the perimeter. So uh, I don't, I understand him setting picks, but I, I just, I don't, I hate when they give him the ball uh, at the top of the key. I just don't like it. Nothing really ever happens. He either gets his pocket picked or he drives and kind of bobbles it because he's, you know, turnover prone. Which isn't his fault either. I mean, he's being placed in a position to be more turnover prone. So I, I don't know. I, I, I hated calling the timeout when they did. And again, Dan, I get what you're saying about Justin kind of being deer in hard lights there, and, and you had to do something. But I, I don't know. It just, and it could have been. It could have just been a combination of circumstances. Justin not knowing what he was doing. You know, them calling the timeout late, uh, Mate not making the cut when he was supposed to make the cut for getting the play. It, it could have been all of that. But, I mean, we're talking about this last end of gameplay, but this was a three-win team. That we should not have been in a position where we needed a last shot with three and a half seconds left to win the game.
0: Yeah, I, I got I gotta text with someone who's not at all related to the Drexel program, who I did not expect to hear about about this game. And all it was was, you guys have not all CEA Center at Monmouth, and he took six shots today. Now he actually went to the line a bunch, so it's not he didn't take just six. But yeah, he had fourteen boards and six shots from the field. If you want to look at the box score, like he needed to be more involved, hundred percent, hundred percent. Right? There's that. There's also if I look at the women's game, Anthony, um, when they were down one with thirty seconds to go, did they hold for the last shot?
3: They they drew up a play. Kashana scored in like five seconds. Just takes it right back. There's no reason against Monmouth where you're trying
0: to limit the possession of this game. Against Charleston, maybe, because they're such a good rebounding team, you think you're gonna get one shot, and they're gonna hit their free throws. Against Monmouth, you go. You go, you get a Mario under the basket who's already got 14 boards. And you go and you get a shot off with seven, eight seconds on the clock. So that if something happens, you can either go back up, you can foul, you can get a play in. I think that's fundamental, to be honest with you.
2: Yeah, but but this isn't the first time that's happened this year. No. We do this. We've had this happen multiple times this year where we, for some reason, when we have the last shot, just hold the ball way too long and then don't know what to do. And it keeps happening. And I know you said execution, that there was a play designed after the three-and-a-half-second se- uh, three timeout. I-, I-, I think it's about I- – I think it's – execution definitely has an element to it, but I, I think you got to set people up for success, and I don't think we're doing that. Totally agree by holding the ball that long.
1: I mean, I don't like us ever holding the ball late in the shot clock or too close to the to the, uh, to the buzzer because we don't have guys who can do that. We have our center's our best player, and he just can't manufacture a bucket at any time. They can double team him, and he's going to have to kick it out. The only guy who remotely can do that on a regular basis is Justin Moore. And in this game, Justin Moore just didn't show up really for some reason. So where do you go? uh maybe it's train i i don't know but no one can just go get a bucket so if you don't have anyone on the team who can go get a bucket you better be good at drawing up plays to get a bucket and uh the plays that were drawn up here i didn't like it all i went to house having a great game again but even that it was like a running a running shot over two defenders and then we come out and Mari's firing jacking up a three from behind three point line uh and i know that probably (laughs) wasn't the play design but he should be under the basket he should be under the basket Look for a jump shot for somebody else, and have him there to tip it in or get the rebound. And it should have it should have been done earlier, too, to your point. But do
2: you think do you think Justin just used up his game breakers too much before this? Is that what happened? Do you think he just hit the button, nothing showed up for this game?
1: <laughs> Maybe it it did seem like his it did seem like his energy meter was low or something. Leon, I, I don't know what was going on. I mean, he just didn't show up offensively. I mean, he tried. He made some passes. He made some good passes, but then you know we also turned the ball over five times.
2: Hey, big-time players only show up to big-time games, Bill.
1: <laughs> he's like, Mom, I'm just going to take this one off. I don't know. I mean, I, I love Justin Moore. I mean, I'm, I'm going to probably argue for his case here a little bit later in this, in this podcast. But uh, this particular game, he, he didn't show up. I, I don't know what was going on. He just didn't seem like himself. Uh, we needed him.
3: Three-shot attempts is weird. I mean, he's usually double-digit shot attempts.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what was going on there. Very weird. No mid-range.
3: Usually we're
2: complaining about him taking too many shots. Usually we're complaining that he took too many shots. That's not what happened in this game. I think he took the day off.
1: <laughs> Seemed like he did. He was in there, though, but he did seem to take the day off a little bit. And like I said, I lo- I've, I'm high on Justin Moore, but that it was a it was a rough outing.
3: I mean, shout out Jamie Bergens, you know, amidst all the doom and gloom. Shout out Jamie Bergens, who played the same number of minutes off the bench and had 13 points on, on 50% shooting. Um, you know, he – so – you gotta, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of down and on them right now, but I mean, Jamie, Jamie had a great game.
1: More Bergens. Playing with Justin.
3: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Justin and, and, and Jamie on the court together is, is something I want to see more of. I I like when the team uses tempo and, and, and runs a little bit. I mean, I know we wanted to avoid doing that against Charleston because that's what they want to do. And we did a good job at preventing them from just kind of doing that for the most part on Thursday night, but the, the time when we actually got into that little bit of a track meet with them, I, I, I dare say we got the better of them when we did it, or or at least they only battled us to a draw when during the, the, the moments when, when both teams were just running back and forth, we, we were not getting abused by them when they were playing the way they wanted to play. Uh, and who knows if that would last over the course of an entire game, but I want to see more of it generally especially against teams that aren't Charleston, that were a lot better than.
1: I'll say this about Bergens, too. I, I, I for, kind of forgot about him. He, he's another guy who can get a shot a little bit, right? I, I just don't think he's in the game enough. When you're only playing him as a backup to Justin Moore, for the most part, um, you only have that one guy on the court at a time who can really just go get their shot. Um, he's not quite as good as, as, as Justin is. He relies on a little bit of a, like a post-up game, a little, um, getting his shots inside. Uh, but he can do it, too. That's why I, seeing those guys on the court at the same time, you know, I think would be beneficial. I've heard even announcers comment that like, oh, since since these two been playing the same time, their game's really picked up for Drexel. And then Bergens goes to the bench, and we don't see it again for the rest of the game.
2: Uh,
1: it, it's, just, it's just strange.
2: Yeah, it, it's things like that, that everybody else, not just the Slack channel, but even a commentator that's probably just commentating about – a few games sees these patterns that work for our team, right? And why does does the is the coaching staff not seeing it? Maybe there's a reason it doesn't work, but why why aren't those adjustments being made? Not that now Jamie and Justin had a good few minutes in the Charleston game that was critical to us. I get it, but I feel like we should be seeing more of that, and and it's a consistency. It all goes back to consistency. We we can't get that and be, beating Charleston, losing to Monmouth beating Delaware and then going to losing to NCAA and T and Elon right after that. It's that consistency of performance. This coaching staff can seem to get out of a pretty talented group of players that really makes me begin to question their capability at this point.
0: All right. Here's where I will
2: harp on Justin Moore.
0: Okay. Cause I, I have to apologize. I was hard on him after the game. I was hard on him on the Slack channel. I was hard on people who thought I, some people took that the wrong way. I was being hard on Justin Moore. Um, and uh, um, and honestly, on Twitter too, and 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 I just I really I thought he was calling his own number at the end of that play. I thought he was thinking, "Hey, I just hit the game winner against Charleston. I'm going to do it again." And coming off of a game where he took the game off and had zero points, and and in looking at that replay late, I, I don't think he was. I think he honestly got lost. Like I think he, he was trying to read the defense, and he was just too slow doing it. Um, so so in that respect. I've got to pull back some of like, my criticism. I don't think he was being selfish or playing hero ball. I just think he got lost. Um, the reason I'm part on Justin Moore, um, you know, I didn't like the the John at Stony Brook in a loss. I didn't like the lazy intentional foul at NZ ANT when his team didn't show up and he didn't show up in particular. And and then, you know, if we talk about these letdown situations, he's been the guy who's really, really, really shown that letdown mentality. And I and there's one more piece to this, which is unfair to Justin. But, you know, he's um, he's in a good situation as a freshman point guard. He's got veteran guards around him who know what they're doing in the offense at the very least, and he's got a very talented big man. You know, not a lot of point guards who are freshmen get to step in and have kind of an established team around them to lead. He's got that, and um, he's the missing piece. Because when he plays well, this team can beat College Charleston. Like, and that's that's what frustrates me the most. Like, not only, yeah, I, I don't like the antics all that much. I like the edge, but you got to have the game to back it up. you got to have it consistently, you know. And he's not there yet. But I, I just... Yeah, he's you got to be hard on him because he's the missing piece. He has a uh, next level that I think Jamie Bergens has. He's got upside beyond that. And and um, he can get to the rim and, and make that shot in traffic like he did at the end of the Charleston game that nobody else in this team's got right now. And so uh, you're hard on him. I'm hard on him because I don't like what I see. But I'm also hard on him because I understand that that's really... His letdowns, the potential, the whole thing. It feels like him. Now, I did look... I've been talking about road road um, Justin Moore, and I did look at his stats, and his home road spot splits are not nearly as bad as X-Bikers. So I will recant. I don't think it's a road thing, okay? I will admit to being wrong. The stats did not back me up, my argument up. But there's definitely something there, and um, he's got to be mentally better and mentally more prepared, in my opinion. Um, and if he is, this team can be good. We've seen the upside. As Anthony and I were talking before the podcast started, the, the problem with Zach Spiker beating Charles is now, now that we, now we know. Now everybody knows what the upside is. The upside is winning the CA tournament caliber upside. But that team can't go and lose three straight to a Elon, and Monmouth. Like, you know, and God help us, going to Delaware. I'm not optimistic. Um, and that's a bad Delaware team. But they're going to be hungry and they're going to be on the road.
3: And then looking at it, I, I was going to mention the upcoming schedule. What do you guys think? If you if you're calling it today, what is our record at the end of February? I mean, I can't guarantee a road win out of these last three, um, and and the home games are Towson, Wilmington, and you know, and Northeastern, who I imagine we'd be favored against. But uh, ten wins? Do we get ten? Are you
2: more optimistic? I think ten might be. That might be great, but I don't know if he can. I don't know what I'm scared of more, the Townsend game at home or the Hampton away game at this point. I don't know, you know, it's just like uh, there's no gimmies anymore because you keep losing to extremely shitty teams on the road. So it's uh, I feel like any, that's that's the bad thing about inconsistent teams, right? You don't, like, I I don't feel confident about any of these games. If you ask me, is there even though i should probably i should probably feel confident at least about that northeastern home game you know you know what i'll be i'll be i'll take that back i'll feel pretty good about the northeastern home game uh but other than that like it's really hard to feel good about this team that still could somehow put together three wins and win the ca tournament for like for all i know it could, anything can happen but i don't know I, I i don't think we get to 10 wins i'll be happy if we do but i don't think we do
0: yeah, it's interesting that you say that because my sticker shock there was, of course, we're going to have 10 wins, we're gonna have at least 10 wins. But I'm looking at the schedule, and you're right, Anthony. It gets interesting because let's say we lose to Delaware. Now you come home, you've got Towson. That's a game. I think that's a winnable game, but that's a game. right? should have a pack deck. You're going to have to pack that. You're going to have to fill that building up. Again, that's another big one. Got to be the toughness game.
3: On the Towson point, other than that, the one conference road win where we blasted Northeastern, the Towson road game was the best they've looked on the road. Granted, Towson was missing one of their most important players, but that game was arguably a better performance from them than any of these other conference road games have been.
0: Yeah, I, I think I've got us in that game, but it's it, it's it's going to be it's going to be a slugfest. Uh, you're losing at Hofstra. Let's just let's just move on. You're losing at Hofstra. So I've got us losing two. Then then you get Wilmington at home. That's another kind of toss-up game like the Towson game is. And here's the thing. If, and, and here's where Leon. If we win that Wilmington game, big win, right? Big home win against Wilmington. We've got Northeastern, two games for senior night. You know we're going to Hampton to lose. Yeah.
3: Bet yeah. the house on that. We beat <laughs> Hampton by six points at home. Bet the house on Hampton if we beat Wilmington.
0: Easiest bet in sports. Hundred percent. Take the take it outright. You're gonna be getting six, seven points. Yeah. Yeah. I mean this is not a gambling podcast, but that's another put put a couple mortgages. Get a second mortgage. Let's go. Um yeah. I, I mean, so there's, to me, yeah. I mean, at least one of those two, Wilmington and Hampton's a loss. Hofstra, Delaware, losses. That's three losses? That's topping out of 10 wins. I can see us being a nine-win team. I mean, honestly. Um, I think we get to 10. I think you're right, Anthony. But.
3: If they get to 10, that'll probably keep us exactly where we are now, and we'd be the fifth seed. Five or six, most likely.
0: Well, that's the other thing. We can take a couple weeks off because none of the shit matters because you're definitely not getting the four, and the five or the six is not really meaningful, I don't think if it's wise, there's not really a loss you can fall because this league stinks.
1: That's that's the problem is the league stinks. Like, we <laughs> you need to be, and this is down of a year for the conference with this many teams at the bottom that you should just handle. This this should have been, like, a, a 20-win season almost. I mean, I know we probably don't have the talent that we did for, like, you know, that many wins, but... Um,
2: I remember when some of the big CA teams left, right, Bill? Like the George Masons and... The we VCU do. and yeah. the ODU, and I thought we were gonna, we were gonna dominate the CAA, <laughs> at least for that immediate year after. Once this, st- when some of those teams left, didn't happen. <laughs> I think the first season after that, we we were middle of the pack somehow. It may- so it's it's crazy how it, uh, we've never had the pleasure of a consistent team except for maybe two years at <laughs> at Drexel, and uh, that was because I think the talent just was too good. He had too many great players on the team.
1: Yeah, in both those years, you just had superior talent, I feel like.
0: <laughs> All right, our directors told us we're going long. Also, um, everybody in my house is about to
2: tell us we're going long. So, do we want to do a lightning round? Good, bad, and ugly? Let's do it. Yeah, Anthony, why don't you start us off? I think you already have Jamie Bergens as a good.
3: I'm going to... It's hard to not go with Kashana though. 69 points in two games. Uh, I mean, that, that's that's that got to be the good. On, on basically, like... Forty-eight and a half percent shooting in both games, respectively. I mean that she is just on another planet. Uh, I I can't say enough about her. She she is awesome. She's my good for sure. Um, oof. The the, the bad. Um, it, it's. It, I'm gonna go with the bad is the timeout play debacle at the end of the Monmouth game, and then the ugly is the fact that. It, Came down to that in the first place. Uh, just you know, if you were going to tell me we're going to go three and one, pick the game we lose. That Monmouth game would be the last choice, the last of the four of the four games that I would pick that we would lose. On paper, now I, I'm 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 not going to have the wool pulled pulled over my eyes anymore. You know after last weekend on the road and then this game yesterday, no longer am I going to be, you know, duped by looking at, Oh, this team matches up with this team. So we should get the win here on the road. It's total crap shoot, leaning towards losing most of them. So that's the ugly losing the Monmouth inexcusable. That team's awful. I'm done.
0: I think we can make that all of our uglies probably, but Bill, what you got?
3: Yeah. I mean, the ugly has got
1: to be <laughs> the Monmouth loss. There's no question about that. Um, I mean, Kishan is unbelievable, but since uh, Anthony already took that, I'm just going to go with Justin Moore for my good and bad. Um, I mean, unbelievable performance against Charleston. Um, I thought he had been great, uh, or at least very good, in like the last seven to eight-game stretch. I think seven-game stretch. um, Mm -hmm. He was averaging like 14 and almost four assists um, on pretty efficient shooting, whereas like in the beginning of the year, he was super inefficient, um, you know, just not shooting well from anywhere. So he was really developing that number two guy until he just no showed in the um, in the last game. So that's my bad there. I, I I think the expectations are raised for him from from how he's been performing as maybe that number two guy behind Amari, and when he just doesn't show up like that, um, you know, it's a, it's a letdown for sure. So that's mine.
2: Uh, you stole mine bill. i, I was gonna go adjust Justin more good and bad as well because you just seem to have such an up and down game and back to back over there so it, yeah, and I would change it, but I'm gonna keep it consistent for 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 timing concerns and also because I can't think of anything that fast but like he seems like two different players in those two games right like it did not seem like the same player uh, that was a uh, was dressed up in. Rexel Dragon, so it just made no sense to me. So I'll do that. And ugly, you got to the last three and a half or seconds, <laughs> or, or leading up to the last three and a half seconds of that Monmouth game is definitely the ugly. So,
0: yeah, um, my good Luke House. My good Luke I, I, I mean, I thought he actually was the reason why we had the lead in the Monmouth game. And he was really efficient against Charleston at 18 points. He was, I think, our leading score at Monmouth. He's had four turnovers in conference play. That's in twelve games. Um, you know, unnamed people had five in that game in that Monmouth game. So um, he's just he continues to just do his job on the floor, which which I appreciate. Um, my bads probably the free throw shooting, which at the end of the day costs us a game again. Um, you know, we've been on the good side and the bad side. I shot the ball really well against Charleston and Delaware from the free throw line. Um, we, we didn't hear, but it's it's made a break and like. Five, six games now. It's a big deal. And um, 4 of 10 from Amari. in that Monmouth game was a killer. It was an absolute killer. Um, but also not getting him the ball enough. Not, not getting him down low. I agree with you. He should have been down low in the, the last play. I, I'm okay with the play call. I just... It's not what I would have done. And I would have had him underneath the basket with 10 seconds to go. You want to double-team him? Bring the double-team, to be honest with you. I'll take it. Keishana takes double-team all the time. She just wins. You know? Um... <laughs> the ugly, you know, I thought that Northeastern game, or sorry, uh, Stony Brook uh, today, Kishana threw up some serious garbage and just kept going in the basket. I mean, she was just throwing stuff up there. It's tough to rely on that to win by one. So my ugly is a little bit, you know, um, I felt like we stole that one a little bit. So um, good to see, but they're still not. I, I still think um, they're not clicking yet. Believe it or not, the women—the women are not my ugly. Certainly not. they're two and a week, I still think they have another gear they can hit. And so, um, you know, let's let's stop calling bank Kishana. Let's let's uh let's start um getting her getting some better shots selection and, and getting my teammates involved a little bit more. Um, some of those went in, but it was not pretty to watch.
1: It's only a bad shot if you miss, Dan.
0: Yeah, but that's all of my shots, Bill. So I got to se- se- separate them out. <laughs> Um, all right, so going forward, as we noted, the men are at Delaware, and then they've got that home game, Packed the Deck, on the 11th against Towson. Got some special guests in the house that day, I think, so I'm pretty excited about that. And the women um, at home Friday night against Charleston and at Monmouth. Oh, God, short turnaround at Monmouth on the 12th. Let's let's nobody have – okay, let's just not even talk about it. Uh, the Monmouth game, by the way. At Monmouth is as as was this one. I didn't realize this on NBC Sports Philadelphia. So that's televised locally, despite being on the road, which is a nice change of pace. So very cool um, by whoever's helping that get get done. Um, I actually thought the Monmouth broadcast was, was actually pretty good, besides the fact that they kept cutting away the commercials at re- read times. Um, so that's all we've got for the for tonight, as far as for keeping you along. But we'll. Uh, it was a big week. It was a big week with uh, hopefully another big week ahead. Let's go win at Delaware, Bill. How do you feel about going to Delaware? You think you think we have a
2: shot in that game?
1: I mean, I, I can't say that it would be – no, it's it's 100%, 200% maybe victory. That's all I can say. It's Marshall, stay sleeping.
2: Delaware sucks, Bill. All we expect out of you is saying Delaware sucks. You don't need – yeah. Where's Roland We you need him? Delaware sucks.